so grateful to have the choir here with us today.
say the one that the Father sent Where my hope and salvation lays From heaven's throne for me he cares I'm going to Bethlehem To see the one the angels ushered in Eternal life and peace he brings I can't wait to bow to him Through the mountains and valleys, love Nothing can stop me, I have to go sure glad you came tonight because you sound great and it's been good singing with you. I'm hoping you're glad that you're here tonight as well. And 
That person is glad. Thank you, Doug. Yeah, he's glad he's here tonight. I'm happy you're here tonight. Um, and if you're new or visiting, we are especially glad that you're here tonight because we love to greet new people. And so if you are new, uh, if you're visiting, if you this is your first time, somebody invited you, just want to say thank you. Thank you for being with us. Welcome. Um, we'd love to get to know you. And uh, you can help us to know that you're here. Let us know that you're here. There's a uh, connection card, and that's right in the seat back in front of you. You can grab that little connection card, fill that out, give us some information. Someone will contact you this week. Uh, just so that we get to say hello and, and welcome you further. There's also a new people's table, and that's out in the lobby. And you can stop by that uh, table out in the lobby. We have a free gift for you this evening. Again, just as a way of saying thank you, and we want to get to know you a little bit as well. And if you are joining us online, we want to say welcome to you as well. We love that you are with us also. Well, we are especially excited because this month, it's already December, guys. This month, December 23rd and 24th, we get to celebrate our Christmas candlelight services. Are you excited? All right, good. That is happening December 23rd and 24th, and we look forward to having you, your guests, your family members join us as we celebrate the birth of Jesus together. It's going to be a special, special time together. Uh, so just a special note, that means that we will not be having services on Sunday, December 25th, so that you can be with your family and loved ones on Christmas morning. But December 23rd or 24th, we would love to have you be with us. We're going to be holding services in both our South Sanctuary, which you are sitting in right now, and in our North Sanctuary, which is directly across the street. And so whichever one of those sanctuaries that you choose to attend, there's going to be live teaching and live worship. So it's going to be an amazing experience on both sides of the streets. So we're just excited to celebrate Jesus together, uh, again, whichever side of the streets that you are on. Over the last few weeks, we've been inviting you to fill out one of these green RSVP cards. And if you have not yet filled one out, I would love for you to grab one. They're right in the seat back in front of you. So you can grab that card right now. If you have not yet filled it out, please grab it right now. And in a few moments, I'm going to give you time to fill that out. And what this is, is a way of letting us know which service time you and your family and your guests planning attending so that we might serve you best. We want to make sure that we're well prepared for everyone that's coming to all our different service times. So go ahead and grab that card right now. And I'm going to give you just a couple of seconds to fill that out. And then also on the screens uh, is a list of service times. And uh, if you would make note, then the Friday 6 p.m., it's currently full, so if you would choose the Saturday 9 a.m. or the uh, Saturday 11, 15 a.m. services, those are still available, so you can fill that out. Thank you for filling it out. Just as a reminder, this is not a ticket, but just as a way of helping us plan. So if you fill that out, you can drop it in the offering bag. That's going to come around in just a few moments. Most importantly, would you invite somebody? Would you invite somebody to be with us for these Christmas candlelight services on those service days and times? Would you reach out to a neighbor, a coworker, a friend, a loved one and say, hey, join me for Christmas candlelight services at Christian Assembly? All right. Well, uh, the women are going to be gathering this week as well, right here in our South Sanctuary for the women's gathering. And it's entitled A Cozy Christmas. And so they're inviting all the women to come, be a part of that. There's going to be Christmas carols, a message of hope. And hot chocolate. What doesn't say cozy Christmas like Carol's message of hope and hot chocolate. There's also going to be a pop-up store featuring unique gifts from Mercy Street. Mercy Street is a, uh, it's a non-profit ministry that serves affected people uh, that are under incarceration. And so you can go ahead and visit their store to help with that need as well. Of course, an online option will be available. So if you can't be in person, you can join them online as well.
Well, this time we get to continue on our time of worship. You know, singing is one way that we worship, um, but giving is another way that we do. And so we, we do that as a regular practice here at Christian Assembly. In a few moments, our ushers will come. But whether you choose to give here in the service or online or through our app or website, we just want to say thank you for doing so. And if you're new or visiting, feel no obligation to participate during this time. And before I call the ushers forward, I'd love to read some scripture for us. Matthew 6.33 says the following. It says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we are so grateful, Lord, that we get to come and, and sing and worship, and we get to give of, our, of the ways that you've generously poured into our lives. We're just so grateful for who you are, Lord. Thank you for the anticipation of Christmas, Lord, and especially these services that we're looking forward to, Father God. Would you put in our hearts and our minds maybe a name or a thought of someone that we can be reaching out to and inviting this week even, Lord? Father, we just pray for everything that's going to happen around those services. Pray that it would be a blessed time for us as a family to celebrate together. We thank you for that, Lord. We ask that you would bless the rest of this service as well. In Jesus' name. Now, ushers, you may now come. And don't forget to deposit your cards in the offering bag. This evening, we have another treat, really, in the person of Julie Boyd, who is here with us. Uh, she's here visiting from Kenya, and she's going to share a message with us. And I want you to know, some, so many of you know Julie and know her story, know the special friendship that Christian Assembly has had with her through the years. Some of you will not know her. So I'm going to ask, would you welcome Julie as she comes? Well, Julie, we really are just so honored when you're with us. So thank you. Thank you for being here. Thanks for sharing a message with us tonight. Would you, those of us who are, like I said, so many of us know you, but there are going to be some here and even online who don't know you, don't know your story. And tell us just a little bit, how did you, how did you go from being, as I remember, a nurse in your 20s working in L.A. to living and working in Africa? How did that change take place? So I went to Azusa Pacific University and attended CA. And when I graduated, I had had a chance to go on a short-term trip to Kenya. And while I was working here in LA, I was working in an HIV unit at Cedar sinai and became very passionate about all that was going on throughout Africa um, related to the AIDS pandemic. And so I left here in 2004 for a one-year commitment, and that's 18 years ago. Wow. <laughs> so you went in 2004 thinking it would be just for a year. Yeah. And what did you expect God would do with that year? Well, I, I had already met friends there, leaders who cared so passionately about their people and the suffering, and so I thought I would walk alongside of them, which I did, mm -hmm. and had the privilege to do and still do. And... Um, just little by little watching people who 
there were suffering, there was no testing, there was no treatment initially for HIV, and then watching those things become available and our team helped to really coordinate the testing and get it connected with treatment and just watching how fear and stigma had so much power during those days and seeing what love, how yeah. it broke that down. Yeah. And so I just felt like after a year, like I was just getting started and um, was welcome to stay. And I've become a part of a community. I'm married there, we have my kids there yeah. and we get to do really just important work that I feel so blessed to do. And so you got started that year, and we know that you ended up not coming home. But what, what, what did you end up doing? Because uh, some of us, as, as I say, know uh, the places that you've built, the organization that you've built. What, what is that? So it started small, um, doing home visits and really seeing the need, walking alongside all of my Kenyan colleagues. And in 2009, after we had created a space for two malnourished babies who needed like more of an inpatient care center, we created that. And so that led to the dream of Living Room, which is a nonprofit that we started in 2009 and um, built a hospice that was 24 beds um, in a little village called Kipcaren, where my family lives for adults and children. And then eventually in 2017, 18, built a second site and opened that in 2019. And, you know, there have been partners who've walked along this journey with us, Christian Assembly being a big part of that, and I feel like you have believed in me, you've believed in our work before it was something to be able to even show. You know, it's paying attention to the person in front of us and loving them yeah. and believing they were made in God's image, and so because of that, that there's value and it's worth. You know, part, part of why we do believe in you, Julie, and the work that you're doing is because we've so consistently seen the Spirit of God alive and at work in you and in your efforts. And because what you have done is taken a vision to a place that was fear, uh, fearful of death, afraid of death, and you've established in that place something called living room. And, uh, and it, is, it is a place where people come to find not only the medical care that they're seeking and the hospice care, but the love of Jesus Christ. And uh, we love to be part of that. As she mentioned, the um, 2011 built one little campus in Kipkirin, Kenya, and Christian Assembly, those of us who give together to that kingdom offering once a month, we help to support uh, the, that building project and see that happen. And then in 2017, uh, when, when she began the building project in Eldoret, a much larger uh, space there, uh, that's when together as a church we gave $1.2 million uh, to see that work grow and expand and it's even begun to change what healthcare looks like in Eastern Africa. So, Julie, we are so honored, so thrilled uh, to be partnered with you, to be part of God's work in and through you. And uh, like I say, we're looking forward to hearing your message tonight. Thank you.
Thanks, Julie. It is, it's always a privilege to come back to a place that feels like home for me and a place where there's friends and family who've walked many, many, many journeys um, with us, some from around the world and others here when we've been in Los Angeles. But thank you for welcoming us. Thank you for the ways that you do stand with us and support us and pray for us and believe in us and, and love the people who are our community. Um, so I'm grateful for the chance to share tonight. I want to begin by reading from um, Ephesians. In, it's a letter written to the church in Ephesus. And Paul penned and prayed these words. He said, for this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. As my nine-year-old Ella says when we finish a prayer, so be it. And I feel these words rise within me as I read this prayer. In the message, the same passage, it's translated like this. It says, I ask the Father to strengthen you by his spirit, not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength, that Christ will live in you as you open your door and invite him in. And I ask that with both feet planted firmly on love, you'll be able to take in with all the followers of, of Jesus the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love reach out and experience its breadth, test its length, plumb the depths, rise to the heights, live full lives, full in the fullness of God. God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ask or imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. While buttering toast for my little boy, Ryan, who's six recently, he unexpectedly asked me this, Mama, what's God doing? Unsure of what he was asking, I repeated his question back to him, Ryan, what do you think God's doing? His reply as he continued to build his stack of dominoes was simply this, he's loving us. And over the past year, I've sensed God's love as I've stood in living rooms Kimberlio Hospice Garden and listened to a dying man speak about Salama, peace. 
The quiet confidence with which he spoke felt like a blessing he had not only received, but was also extending to me. I've witnessed love as Jacob, our incredible teacher at Kimbilio, who was once a patient of ours, sat in his wheelchair next to a preschool-aged boy, patiently teaching him to count from one to 10. I recognized God's love as we received Brighton, a 12-year-old boy from Kimbilio Hospice to his new school in our community. About a year ago, Brighton had a tree climbing accident that left him paralyzed from his waist down. And when Brighton came to Kimbilio, he had extensive wounds and desperately needed nursing care and physical therapy. And in addition to the physical and emotional care that we were providing, Brighton received tutoring from Jacob. Side by side, within their wheelchairs, Jacob and Brighton sat three mornings a week as Jacob taught him reading and writing and mathematics, but also reminding Brighton that there was still hope, that he was valuable, that he was of worth. In Kenya, very few schools are wheelchair accessible, meaning when Brighton was ready to leave Kimbilio to go back to the community, he wouldn't be able to continue with his education. And this felt unacceptable to our team. So we dreamt of a way to break down the barriers for Brighton and others to who might follow. Living Room partnered with our leaders from the community at the school, within our, uh, our neighboring school, and within that space, we were able to make a path, both literally and logistically, ramps and walkways, as well as wheelchair-accessible toilets and showers were constructed. Then, with bright eyes and the widest grin, Brighton arrived to his new school and drove himself around. With wonder and tear-filled eyes, I followed behind Brighton and the group of classmates who were gathered to welcome him. What had felt like an impossible thing was being done. And all I could think was, this must be what Jesus meant when he said, let the children come to me. The love of God is in the evolving spaces at Living Room. Within the hospital in Eldoret, this year we've constructed a, a maternity unit and three surgical suites and a four-bed ICU. All of those services are now providing quality medical care to those who desperately need it, to those who often have trouble accessing or affording care. It's beyond my imagination. It's beyond what I dreamed would ever come to be. Frederick Beekner writes, pay attention to the things that bring a tear to your eye or a lump to your throat because they are signs that the holy is drawing near. Each time I step into the newly built 64-bed guest house in Eldoret, where children who have cancer have traveled far distances with their families and need a place to stay, they come and receive their cancer treatment at a nearby government hospital, but they are, have a place to stay with us. Tears fill my eyes. Lump grows within my throat. The wonder that we have been entrusted to work with something that feels like God's kingdom coming near as we feed and house and provide transportation to these children and families is one of the most beautiful things that I've ever been able to be a part of. I recently was standing 
in the construction site as it was still being built and there was work going on all around me. And as I looked around and I imagined the kids who would soon fill this space, the old, the old song that I learned as a child, this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. It just arose from within me. You know, as children of God, like we all have a light. And will we let it shine? Will we let it glow in these places where there's need, where there's opportunities to love and be loved? I want to share a video with you that hopefully will give you more of a glimpse of what it is that I'm trying to describe. It takes place in our location in Eldoret. if God would have told me or shown me the whole picture at once, I think it would have been too big. I think I would have been overwhelmed by what he was inviting us into. When we first developed this land, purchased it, when we dreamed of what it would become, I, along with our Kenyan team, we imagined that it would be very similar to Kimbilio Hospice. When we actually opened the facility, it became very clear what we were going to be asked to do was provide other services and to expand to meet the, the needs and the challenges that the community around us face. I feel really encouraged by this opportunity to serve people who I think often lack the access to quality health care. We've built this beautiful facility in a community where the people can come and receive services. And so that involves outpatient services and inpatient services, maternity, pediatrics. We're soon going to have ICU and operating rooms. And we're finishing construction on a guest house that will be housing children who are going through cancer treatment who've traveled far distances and are, are receiving their treatment at the nearby government hospital but don't have a place to stay and they get to come and we get to welcome them and their families and walk alongside of them through difficult situations. It's been a journey of learning and discovering and discerning what we would become. And so even though on the day that I first walked onto this land and couldn't believe like, that something like this potentially could be where God would have us build. It's now six years later, and I'm still astounded by God being so gracious to give us this land, but then also to piece by piece give us the vision. And I think it's important to say like our vision hasn't changed. The vision was always to be a community of compassion that honors life and offers hope. But the services we get to provide and continue to step into that, they've expanded. And today with our Kenyan team, I feel, I think, surprised still by all that we're getting to do, but grateful and 
confident that God has brought us this far and will continue to lead us into the next steps. pretty amazing. Uh, with the guest house that is just being opened, our prayer has been that our house, hospitality and love will make room for healing to be possible for many of these children. For all the families who come into our care, we want them to know that they aren't alone as they walk this hard journey. We want them to experience that God is near to the brokenhearted. And this guest house, it actually feels so personal to Titus and I. As our family in 2017 and 2018 needed a home away from home for our family for 477 days while our boys had bone marrow transplants here at UCLA. It is our hope that we at Living Room will extend the same type of hospitality and kindness that our children received. In Kenya, parents are known by the name of their firstborn child. So Titus and I are known as Mama and Baba Ella. And the family that we lived with um, while we were here in Los Angeles, their son is named Micah. And so when we were getting ready to open the guest house, we decided to name the guest house Micah's house in honor of the family who demonstrated such extravagant hospitality to our family. A couple years ago when we had come, returned back to Kenya and we're um, just back from the boys' treatment, I had a dream about the guest house and its name. And like the message of Micah 6.8, our guide literally written on the doorpost is this. God has shown us what is good and what the Lord requires. We are to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with God. What if love is at times a willingness to try? One unsure step in front of the next, a cup of cold water, or perhaps it's lukewarm. An exchange, kindness, offered, received, a moment if noticed right here and now, mundane, laced with profound mystery. Friends, what is God doing? Like Ryan, my little boy said, I'm convinced he is loving us. In this world, there is the tension of so many hard and horrible things that will break our hearts, as well as overwhelming goodness and beauty that keeps following us every step of the way. God's love for us allows for the disappointment and grief, as well as for wonder, praise, and joy. God's love extends grace and forgiveness if we are willing to receive, freeing us from the shame, insecurity, and bitterness. God's love makes room within our hearts for them to be expanded in ways that are hard to comprehend or describe. 1 John says it like this, we love because he first loved us. He loved us first, and God, by his spirit, is also inviting us to learn to love him, to love ourselves, to love one another. On the night that Jesus had his final meal with his friends, 
John 13 tenderly says, in reference to Jesus, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the very end. And then the passage goes on to describe Jesus, much to some of their chagrin, washing his disciples' feet, dirty feet, as an act of service, as a demonstration that there is no place that God is not willing to go for the sake of love. And then Jesus says to them, I imagine with a look of intensity within his eyes, as I have loved you, so you should love one another. This is how they all will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Deeply rooted, anchored, and nourished by a love that is beyond our comprehension, all the while, It is for us. God is loving us, and it will overflow from us. The fruit of God's spirit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and self-control, it will overflow from us. Dallas Willard writes, the first act of love is always the giving of attention. When Jesus told the story that we often refer to as the Good Samaritan, it stemmed from the question he was asked, who is my neighbor? But really he's being asked, who do I have to love? And like Jesus so often did in response to a question, he told a story. He told of a man who had been traveling and was robbed and beaten and left within his suffering. There was a priest and another religious leader, and Jesus said that both of them saw the man who was suffering and they passed on the other side. And it was the Samaritan, one who would be more of the outcast that came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. There was a willingness to notice and be kind to the suffering of another, to delay his plans, to be interrupted, to put band-aids on and wait for help to come. In the words of the beloved Mr. Rogers, the purpose of life is to listen to yourself, to your neighbor, to your world, and to God. And when the time comes to respond in as helpful a way as possible as you can find from within and without. One morning, as I greeted one of the guests, we call our patients guests, at Kimberlio Hospice, an elderly man whose name and story I didn't yet know, He held my hand and spoke an unexpected words that felt like a blessing of sorts. He said to me, Asante Kwakuniona, thank you for seeing me. I nodded my head and allowed his words to slip into my heart as a clarion of what we are called to do at Living Room, of what we are called to do as followers of Jesus, to see in such a way as to love, to affirm one another's value and worth by the way we pay attention. As Sunita Puri, she's a palliative care physician here in LA, writes, I have learned to look when I want to look away. I have chosen to stay when I'd prefer to run out of the room and cry. The prelude to compassion is always the willingness to see. 
This Advent season, I want to be rooted and grounded in love, paying attention to the love of God that is for me and is for you, that is long and wide and high and deep, to know and receive, to wait with expectation. Kenya is 11 hours ahead of Pacific time, and whenever we travel the very, very long journey to get here, my husband Titus, he always says that jet lag is our souls trying to catch up with our bodies. And many of us live at such a fast paced, distracted constantly by any number of things, our phones, busy schedules, consumerism, Netflix, climbing some ladder because we're afraid that there won't be enough, that we are not enough, and the list goes on and on. But what if we intentionally slow down this Advent season to allow our souls to catch up with our bodies, to pay attention, to listen and notice, to be interruptible, to rest, to pray, to stop the never-ending consuming and to-do lists? to listen to Jesus' words again and again. If I take care of the birds, I will take care of you. These words have led me to go outside almost every morning in the village where we live to listen to the choir of birds singing. It's like Habakkuk 3 says, the skies are blazing with his splendor, his praises sounding throughout the earth. Will we listen? Will we notice, will we recognize the loving kindness, the new mercies that are available and are enough for today? One early morning, my daughter Ella, she ran into our room, thrilled by the brilliant blue and red terracos that were within our trees outside. And capturing the moment, her still small voice directed towards me, Mom, this is the bird you've been waiting to see. <laughs> and it made me think of this poem by Mary Oliver that says, oh, do you have time to linger for just a little while out of your busy and very important day for the goldfinches that have gathered in a field of thistles for a musical battle to see who can sing the highest note or the lowest or the most expressive of mirth or the most tender their strong, blunt beaks drink the air as they strive melodiously, not for your sake and not for mine and not for the sake of winning, but for sheer delight and gratitude. Believe us, they say, it is a serious thing just to be alive on this fresh morning in this broken world. It's how I hear Jesus most on so many days. If I take care of the birds, I will take care of you. When Jesus came to the earth as a baby through a womb, what was God doing? As Kate Bowler writes, Advent is preparation for the great inversion. God coming to earth in the form of a baby, the ruler of the cosmos trapped in a squalling package of helpless flesh. He was born to save us and he will but first he must melt our hearts, appearing not as a sage or a philosopher or an emperor, but as a cold little child with no home. He disarms us with his tender vulnerability and summons us to enter his world as little children too. 
For many of us, this is where the story ends, a gentle knock on the door of the human heart. But Christmas beckons us to see the kingdom of God through the disruption of the ordinary. The last will be first. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. He has brought down rulers from their thrones but has lifted up the humble. What is God doing? Breathe in and let it out. Listen, pay attention, make room. Perhaps, as it says in the Psalms, my heart will hear God say, come and talk with me, and my heart will respond, Lord, I'm coming. My weary soul will declare once more, there may yet be hope. Goodness and mercy are following me. Why? Because God is loving you and me, and nothing or no one can separate us from his love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, neither any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. At Eugene Peterson's funeral, his son said that although his dad had written many books and translated the entire Bible, he had one message for his entire life. Eugene would whisper these words over his son each night, and my prayer as I close is that they will sink deep into each one of our souls. He would whisper these words, God loves you. God is on your side. God is coming after you. He's relentless. In Jesus' name, I pray and believe. Amen. Amen. And so be it.